Hola. <laughs> when I was in my little micro-retreat in Scotland, uh, another intuition came to mind with a hypothesis. And it pertains to mindfulness of breathing and the achievement of shamatha and jhana, actually all of the jhanas, the first through the fourth jhana. Um, and as a hypothesis, they can easily put to be put to the test of experience, and it can be done rigorously. And so I came up with the idea of the, the hypothesis itself and then the way it could be tested. And then my very good friend and colleague, uh, James Elliott, who is the vice president of the Santa Barbara Institute, then he is as a, he has a PhD in neuroscience, then he formalized that into a, a very rigorous uh, scientific format, so it can be studied. Uh, and so I'd like to give an invitation to all of you uh, to be participants in this study. It entails nothing from outside. It's totally unlike the Shamata project in the sense that there are no outside researchers taking your blood and examining and questioning and all that kind of business. It's really, you are the researchers. Now, James would be analyzing the data, so he would be certainly taking the scientific role there. But the real data collection would be you, yourselves. And it's very simple, and it will not take much of your time. And it would just be uh, doing some very simple monitoring of your own practice for a relatively brief time towards the beginning of this retreat, middle of the retreat, and the end of the retreat. And so, I simply, and moreover, the hypothesis is not out of whimsy. I think you know, doing research for the sake of simple curiosity is fine. It served science and the human community very well. You know, curiosity-driven uh, research. But mine is not. This idea is not driven by curiosity alone, but rather the thought uh, that this might actually really help people be much more efficient in achieving shamatha. A really pragmatic benefit. That's. I'm just too old for just mere curiosity. I won't spend much time on it. Um, and so it leads to a question, and I'm not, not, I'm not asking for any commitment, simply an expression of interest. How many of you here would be interested in participating as volunteers in this study? Thank you. Uh, and so this is just all you've done now is express an interest. And so what I will ask uh, James or Sangye to do, Sangye being his wife, they're my right arm, left arm for the Santa Barbara Institute, uh, is they will send you um, the instructions what to do, it's very simple, and also some MP3 downloads, just a basic, simply a timer, a timer, just that. It's a timer so you can engage in the, in the study, monitoring your own practice. And so this leads to a question, uh, number one, I think you all should have access to internet when you need to, right? Isn't that, isn't that correct? Yeah? Uh, who can say definitively? Am I under, uh, well, it's in the room still. It's in the room still. So I think they'll cut it tomorrow. Ah, well, um, Elizabeth, ask them to postpone uh, On my behalf, please ask uh, them and get to Kunsonia, postpone that uh, termination until, let's say, day after tomorrow. Michael? I didn't bring a computer. Yeah, no problem. Um, so this raises the second question, and that's how many of you have access to uh, what is simply called an MP3 player? So that can be a smartphone, it can be an iPad, or a computer. But just something you can listen to a recording. Just, and you don't have, but having a buddy or anybody that you can have access to. Is there any, put it this way, is there anybody that just, you don't have any idea how to gain any access to a little device that can play a very simple recording? 
Um, then maybe you can buddy up with somebody. There's one. <laughs> okay, good. Um, then I think these are star-crossed buddies. Star-crossed buddies. <laughs> if the two of you can just find anybody else, that you, if, if you'd like to part participate in the study, then just find anybody else, because it's using it for a very short time. This is you know, just a little, a little data collection towards the beginning, middle, and end. It's a very small amount of time. So, um, and then just have access. Maybe, in fact, this would probably be the easiest. Again, Elizabeth, as my liaison, if you could ask the uh, people at the front desk, that is, you'll give it, and then just give them, you know, just get, get, have or borrow somebody's thumb drive, and have somebody get a thumb drive, give it to the people there, or just send it to them, to the front desk. They can give you their email. They can print it out. That's just easier. The, the instructions are printed out. And uh, they can bill it to Santa Barbara Institute. Okay, that's that's fine, uh, and I'll and I'll pay up. I'll pay up at the end of the uh, of the retreat. Okay. Now, having said that, once you've seen the instructions and all of that business, if you decide uh, I don't think so, then just don't do it. Just throw it away, or at any time during the retreat, if you feel for any reason at all, I don't want to do this anymore, then stop and just throw away your data. No big deal. Okay. And so that, but I actually think there could be a lot of benefit from it. Otherwise, I wouldn't take anybody's time. Okay, so good. That could be interesting. And uh, if the um, hypothesis turns out to be correct, I think actually a lot of benefit could come. It's qu uh, you'll learn about it later because I don't want to spoil the data. But it's quite interesting. Quite, quite interesting. Yeah. To my mind, I mean, it's quite fascinating, actually. So there's one point. Then someone among you asked if I would give the oral transmission of the seven-line prayer to Padmasambhava. And there's no reason at all not to do it. I have received it from multiple lamas, but very explicitly from oh, Lama Tachinurmache. Lama Tachinurmache, uh, who passed away recently, but he was one of the really major lineage holders of the Dujom lineage, uh, a close disciple of Chajarumache, of, of Dungse Tilinova Rumache, good friend of my lama, Gyaturumache. So some years ago at his center in uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains in Colorado, he gave the transmission and commentary to the seven-line prayer. This is the classic prayer to Padmasambhava. And so um, I'll give it right now. It's very short, very simple. And I think maybe in the future, first of all, how many people already know it, you've reached, whether or not you've reached transmission? How many of, of you already know the seven-line prayer? That's significant. Well, um, what I would invite you to do, anybody who'd like to join with us, is it's very short. And just reciting the seven-line prayer and then maybe one mala of the you know, Vajraguru Mantra, that's not a much. And that would be a really nice way to start each morning, I think, collectively. You know? And so I'll give the transmission right now. We won't do it this morning. Uh, Sange will send you, well, everybody here will send you um, the seven-line prayer in Tibetan, in phonetics, because it's really best to, uh, to recite in Tibetan and not uh, you know, recite English translation. So learn the meaning of it. But it's just too sweet in Tibetan to try to you know, recite it, at least collectively, in English. Um, Sangi will send you the Tibetan, the phonetics, and translation. I just took it from the uh, uh, Rikpa, 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 Rikpa wiki site. It's very, very good. And so I've taken it from that as a PDF file. She'll send it to you shortly. And then, uh, then my lama Yangtan Rinpoche, who's one of my revered lamas, in 2006, he gave an oral commentary to the Seven Line Prayer. He's one of the great ones. He's true. He's a vidyadara. Really, he's he's the real thing. 
He's one of the great ones, and he's still alive. And I've had the great privilege to receive empowerment from him, teachings, and so on. Uh, he's a close, old, old friend with Gatchara Mujini. You know. So he's given an oral commentary. I wasn't there at the time. It was 2006. Um, but I have the file. I've sent it to Sangye. She'll send that to you, too. Okay? So you'll be getting a bunch of stuff in the mail. So, All right, let's just do the oral transmission. I'm going to read it just so that, so that I don't fumble at all. So, Guru Rinpoche Tsik Dun Suldep Jukso, the seven-line prayer of Guru Rinpoche. And then at the Tibetan, Hung Orgen Yuki Nupchan Sang, Bema Gesa Dumbola, Yamsen Choki Muduk Nye, Bema Jone Jesu Ta, Kordu Kandu Mambuko, Keki Jesu Da Dupki, Jingye Lakshu Sheksu Su, Guru Bema Siddhi Hung. I'm recite it two more times. ホンオーゲンユキンヌクチャンサンベンマイゲサドンボラヤムセンチョキンゴドゥネベンマジュンシェスダコドゥカンドモンブゴケキチェスダドゥキジンゲラプチュシェクスソゴドゥベンマシディ
letting your awareness descend into and fill the space of your body, settle it in its natural state, a state of dynamic equipoise, imbued with the three qualities of relaxation, stillness, and vigilance. your respiration in this natural rhythm, unconstrained and effortless. And then as if you were soothing a troubled child, set your mind at ease, gently, lovingly, releasing all concerns about the future and the past. Awareness come to rest in stillness, the natural stillness that arises in freedom from grasping. And rest in this still clarity of your own awareness, your mind settled in its natural state, relaxed, still, and clear.
your body and mind relaxed from the core. This is an essential sense of ease, of relaxation, of looseness. Let your awareness remain still, abiding in its own ground, without directing your attention to any object, without meditating on anything, and really without doing anything. Simply maintain this flow of mindful presence, without distraction and without grasping. Whatever thoughts, images come up, let your awareness be like Teflon. They come up, but they don't stick. They just pass right on through, and they dissolve. They liberate themselves right back into the space of the mind. then let an awareness that has perhaps been implicit become explicit. And that is, of course, the awareness of the rhythm of your breath. Let your awareness continue to remain still, resting in its own place. But with this peripheral awareness, when the in-breath is long, note that it is long, the out-breath is long, note that it is long. And sooner or later in your session, or as the days go by, either incrementally or suddenly, you may find that the in-breath is short, and when this occurs, note that it is short. When the out-breath is short, note that it is short. Keep it very simple. Very simple, with no conceptual elaboration. Little or no language. You don't need to think. You can simply immediately know before your knowing makes its way into concepts and mental verbiage or words. So sustain this flow of non-conceptual cognizance with a very simple mission or task already stated. And gently arouse, focus, concentrate your awareness, thereby overcoming laxity with each in-breath. Relax deeply, letting go, while sustaining the flow of cognizance with each out-breath.
best of your ability, sustain the flow of mindfulness without distraction, without grasping. And to the extent that it's helpful, monitor this flow of mindfulness with introspection. But bear in mind, introspection is monitoring not only the mind, but also the body, the respiration. So now and again, check up on your posture. But especially check up on the face. If any tightness, contraction, is occurring in the face, especially around the eyes, the forehead, any hardening of the eyes themselves, Soften, release. Check up time and again to see that the breath is flowing as effortlessly as possible, that you're not helping it, pulling it in during inhalation, you're not blocking it during exhalation, that you're really out of the way, breathing egolessly, as if you were deep asleep, but mindfully aware the rhythm of the breath. Finally, take each cycle of respiration as a complete meditation session in itself. Arousing, focusing your awareness with each in-breath, releasing with each out-breath. Especially releasing thoughts, images, memories with every exhalation. This alone may be sufficient to balance your attention. But to the extent helpful, do monitor the flow of mindfulness with introspection. And as soon as you see that you have been carried away by distracting thoughts, by excitation, first of all, relax. Release whatever captivated your attention. And return to the present moment awareness resting in stillness in its own place. Relax, release, and return. Relax, release, and return. your faculty of introspection, monitoring the flow of mindfulness. Whenever you see that you've lost your edge, the mind has become a bit dull, spaced out, the flow of clear cognizance has faded. Refresh your interest in the practice. 
restore your awareness in the present moment and retain that flow of present-centered awareness. Refresh, restore, and retain. In this way, balance your mind, settle your mind in the ever-deepening state of meditative equipoise. And let's continue practicing now in silence.
I have a very special in- instrument here that I brought with me to show you the quality of awareness that we seek to cultivate with respect to the arising of thoughts, images, all the obsessive, compulsive <coughs> flow of ideation. Very special. I, I think nobody else has something like what I have here. Um, I just carry it. It's very special, not like other ones. It looks ordinary, but it's not ordinary at all. It's quite exceptional. What you find here is a little little circle of Velcro. Velcro, yeah. In most ordinary ones that you can just buy at any store, it has another little piece of Velcro here. So when the top part comes down and touches, they stick. Right. But mine's very special. <laughs> this one was surgically removed, which is to say it fell off by itself. It was wronged, it liberated itself. So now here, this is very graphic. I, I like visualizing things. This is your wandering thought. Hi, Beatrice, I'm your wandering thought. This is your awareness down here. You want to play? You want to play? Come, I'll take you a ride. Come on, let me take you away. Isn't that fun? I mean, he can keep on pecking at you all your love, but look how just calm and unperturbed, look how that little strip of just resting in equipoise, like, doesn't matter how many times they come up, it never sticks. That's my show and tell for today. On a little bit more serious note, here we have these delicious hours where you wake up in the morning and you know you have only one thing to do all day is practice Dharma. Oh, how choice. And so in between sessions, then depending on the practice, whatever the practice may be, you really try to maintain as much continuity of the practice in between sessions. So it's, if it's mindfulness of breathing, if you're at, let's say, some Theravada retreat center in, in Myanmar, for example, and you're really focusing on anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing, then you'll do that not only formally, but in between sessions, when you're walking about, eating, and so forth, you maintain some peripheral awareness of the in and out flow of the, of, the, of, the, of the breath so that you don't slip back into the old ruts, wandering thoughts, but really staying present-centered, engaged, engaged. So whatever you're doing, you give all the attention needed to eating, drinking, walking, washing your clothes, and so forth, but there you are maintaining that peripheral awareness, inflow, outflow. That's for just straight shamatha practice, right? But we're not here for eight weeks just to practice shamatha. That's our baseline. That's to make the mind serviceable. And we do now have this mode of mindfulness of breathing, which is very simple, very true, I think, to the, the Pali Canon, the Buddha's own teachings here, but also very much in the spirit of Dzogchen. So I would encourage you, over these next few days, that we continue in this practice as our baseline for the rest of the retreat, indeed, to maintain uh, as you're walking about and so forth, as a substitute for just falling into this kind of semi-conscious rumination, blah, 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 which is just a bad habit, not a sign of mental health. Instead of that, substitute for that, then this kind of peripheral awareness, breath flowing in, breath flowing out. But let's not leave it at that. Whatever, because bear in mind, in this practice we've just been doing, we're not primarily focused, like, you know, single-pointedly attending to Breath coming in, breath coming out. We're primarily just resting, right? And then giving just enough awareness to note. It's a very light, almost just like touching somebody lightly in the soldier, like on the shoulder. Just a light touch. Ah. Long breath. Long breath in, long breath out. Very simple, right? Doesn't need much attention for that, but it's enough. It's enough. 
And so, but primarily we're just resting there, awareness resting in stillness, illuminating, knowing itself in this, its own natural cognizance and clarity. But we're here really fundamentally for Dzogchen, and the teachings of the view of the great perfection are all embedded in, rooted in, the view of the middle way of emptiness. The teachings of Nagarjuna, they're not unrelated. No view of emptiness, no Dzogchen. One is rooted in the other, as the view of emptiness needs to be rooted in a sane mind. To study Madhyamaka, to study the, the great karikas of Nagarjuna and the great commentaries in Tantakirti and Lama Mipamramache and Sankaba and so forth, and do all of that and learn how to debate your mind out, you know, and have no shamatha, how much benefit is that going to be? I think we become very clever, very good mouth. Does it really address your mental afflictions? I don't think so. Not much. It'll just make you very smart. But not smart enough to have your mental afflictions calmed and subdued. So for the teachings on emptiness, for the Vipassana, really to bring about deep transformation, again, it comes back to shamatha, exceptional mental balance and sanity. And so in between sessions, what I would encourage here is whatever understanding you have of emptiness, of the empty nature of phenomena and how they arise, in this mode of dependent origination, each event, each phenomenon, arising as a dependently related event. I won't give commentary on that. That all depends on your own training, studies, teachings you receive, meditation you've done on emptiness and dependent origination. But whatever understanding you have, use it now. There's nothing else we have to do, right? We have so few demands on our time. So make the time in between sessions, which is now really not in between sessions at all. It's just a more active way of meditating. Imbue that with whatever understanding you have. Bring that to bear as you're maintaining this peripheral awareness, in-breath flowing, out-breath flowing. But whatever view of emptiness and dependent origination, middle-way view, you have, don't just believe it. View reality that way. See reality that way. That's where it really gets into your marrow, your bloodstream, right into the core of your mind, right? But then a number of you, I know, have already received pointing out instructions, other inst- textual instructions, and so forth, and Dzogchen. I'm not teaching you for the first time. Whatever understanding you have of the Dzogchen view, right? view that, view that. Right? And so then you're maintaining this outward peripheral awareness, inflow, outflow of the breath. More inwardly, the view of emptiness. Emptiness of yourself, emptiness of all phenomena around you, Personal identitylessness, phenomenal identitylessness. Kind of the inner, and then the innermost, oh yeah, as much as you can. Viewing reality from your best approximation of viewing reality from the perspective of Rigpa. That is the great perfection. Viewing reality from the perspective of Rigpa, pristine awareness. If you are a Vidyadatta and you have unmediated, non-conceptual, non-dual realization of Rigpa, then you simply are viewing reality. Your view of reality is the great perfection, right? Well, you may not be Vidyadatta yet, but you do your best approximation. Whatever understanding you, you use it. A little bit of understanding, use it. A lot of understanding, use it. So I'll end with an anecdote. Uh, years ago, many years ago, when I was a graduate student at Stanford, living in family housing, some of you know this story, and I had been receiving teachings from, and was under the close guidance of Gatrajamachi for a couple of years. But my wife and I were living in this family housing where uh, in the morning, when I'm 
meditating, you know, that's how I start the day, don't we all? Um, there was one dad, because it's you know, fa family, one dad had his little girl, cute little five-year-old girl, and he would have her, put her on her little tricycle, a little plastic tricycle, and he would be pushing her along, and, you know, they would be doing their little morning thing on this asphalt, and plastic plastic tricycles on asphalt make an extraordinary amount of noise. <laughs> like that. And this little girl, the little mischief, she was really enjoying herself. What do little girls do when they enjoy themselves? They scream. <laughs> so I was getting <laughs> like that. That sounded more like a horse than a little girl, but you know, I'm not much good at imitations. And every morning, you know, I just like, <laughs> and so I wrote to Rinpoche. I spoke to him and said, Rinpoche, I didn't write to him, I spoke to him and said, Rinpoche, this environment where I am, so noisy, really getting to me. It's like they sometimes say noise is the thorn to somebody. It's like, a, like an ice pick in your ear. You know? So I was getting a bit bugged. That's so noisy where I live. Hard to meditate. Oh, Rinpoche, he said. View it. That was it. That's all he said. View it. Well, if you know Dzogchen, what he's saying is, shut up. <laughs> Quit crab crabbing, you little crybaby, you whiner. What do the, the Brits call it? You wanker? You wanker? Isn't that what they say? There's a Brit here, isn't there? Wanker? Isn't that, that's one of those things. It sounds really nasty. You wanker? You know? That's what he was implying, and what he was actually saying was, hey, I've been teaching you Dzogchen for two or three years now. Use it. View the noise. View the environment. View reality from that perspective. And all your complaints vanish. There's nothing to complain about. Right. So I remember. I haven't been practicing very much, but I remember this good story. Practice as much as I can. So that's it. So view it. Enjoy your day. See you this afternoon.